Countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 29 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This time we have the audition episode that led to a second audition, which turned into a regular weekly Western series. It's Jimmy Stewart starring in The Six Shooter on Hollywood Star Playhouse. It's interesting, Carl, that Hollywood Star Playhouse was not a vehicle to showcase auditions of future radio series. Right, Lisa. There were a couple of radio series that were designed to audition potential program ideas. The best-known one was Forecast, a series CBS aired during the summers of both 1940 and 1941. Also, in 1946 and 1947, the Mutual Network had a series called For Your Approval. Most of the time, program ideas offered on Forecast and For Your Approval would not be made into regular series, but a few were, including Suspense and Duffy's Tavern. In fact, We'll have both of these audition episodes on future Radio Rarities podcasts. Hollywood Star Playhouse was one of many anthologies that featured film stars in various dramatic roles. It first aired April 24th, 1950 on CBS. During its first season, it was sponsored by the Emerson Drug Company promoting Bromo Seltzer. The very first episode starred Jimmy Stewart as a meek postman who finds himself embroiled in a murder mystery on Nor Gloom of Night. Other stars heard that first year were Broderick Crawford, Angela Lansbury, Ray Milland, Ronald Coleman, Van Heflin, and Barbara Stanwyck, among many others. The first season ended July 16, 1951. Hollywood Star Playhouse then moved to ABC as a sustainer, broadcast for about six months. Then it moved to its third network, NBC, for its third season beginning February 24, 1952. The new sponsor was the American Bakers Association. Marilyn Monroe made her radio debut on Hollywood Star Playhouse August 31, 1952, in an episode titled Statement in Full. Unfortunately, the audio for this show does not exist. And it was during this third season of Hollywood Star Playhouse that the Western story, The Six Shooter, was aired starring Jimmy Stewart as Britt Ponsett. A cowboy drifter who roamed the Western Plains during the 1880s. The character was created by Frank Burt. Prior to his performing on Hollywood Star Playhouse, Jimmy Stewart had guest starred on many radio series. His first known radio appearance was on Rudy Valley's show in 1930. On the Lux Radio Theater, he reprised his leading roles in such films as Madam X, The Philadelphia Story, and of course, It's a Wonderful Life. For The Philadelphia Story, he won an Academy Award for Best Actor. Stewart also appeared in the Screen Director's Playhouse, Suspense, and Family Theater. And he made guest appearances on The Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy Show and The Jack Benny Program. In 1941, 
He enlisted in the Army Air Corps and became a pilot. Stewart had been enthralled with aviation as a kid, and it remained with him throughout his life. Eventually, he earned his wings and commission as a second lieutenant. After becoming an instructor, his request to pilot a B-24 in the European theater was granted. He was involved in numerous bombing missions. Stewart was promoted to full colonel in October of 1945 and returned to the United States later that year. Where he signed a movie contract with MCA. Okay, sit back, relax, and enjoy The Six Shooter, which served as the first audition to Stewart's later series of the same name as heard on Hollywood Star Playhouse, originally broadcast April 13, 1952. Jimmy Stewart with a welcome to the Hollywood Star Playhouse, brought to you by the Bakers of America. Hollywood Star Playhouse, 30 minutes of mystery, thrills, drama, by Hollywood's finest writers featuring Hollywood's top stars. Brought to you by the Bakers of America through the cooperation of your baker. Hello there, this is Wendell Niles. In a moment, we'll bring you Act One of today's transcribed story, The Six Shooter, starring Mr. James Stewart. Friends, depend on your baker to help you serve better meals through bakery foods. Whether he's the baker in your bake shop, the baker who supplies your grocer, or the baker who calls at your door, your baker is the man who provides so many of the good foods that mean mealtime satisfaction for you and your family. Because almost every day of the year, very likely every meal of the day, you enjoy something that a baker makes. So for variety, convenience, economy, for nutritious good eating, count on your baker to help you serve better meals through bakery foods. And now... Act One of The Six Shooter, starring Mr. James Stewart. The rain had stopped, but the wind still carried slivers of moisture that cut into the boy's face as he rode along the edge of the creek. When he saw the yellow light from the back of the office, he pulled up and slid out of the saddle. Then he tied a wet bandana under his eyes and walked to the door. Hi, hi. Way up, both of you. And stay away from that shotgun. Now, look here. You, get over to the safe. Better hurry up, mister. All right, now open it. I said to open it. All right, toss me that sack. Okay. You, you. Now, you rotten little. I hadn't figured on going through Clay City uh, 
was an hour out of my way, and I was already a day late to the Jefferson Ranch where I'd signed on for the roundup, but when Scar started limping from a loose shoe, didn't have no choice. We had to head for the nearest blacksmith shop, so we turned north. Mister, what's the trouble? Uh, the horse losing a show. Well, let's have a look. All right, raise it up, fella. Come on, come on, boy. Yeah, it's split, mister. He needs a new one. Okay, boy. Can you take care of it? Oh, sure. Bring him over here. Hey, uh, what happened to Red, fella used to own this shop? Went to Nevada chasing silver. I bought him out. Oh, I... Yeah, you, you don't look very much like a blacksmith, huh? Oh, I'm stronger than I look. Heavier, too. What do you think I weigh, mister? Oh, I don't know. Go on, go on. Take a guess. 120? 30? Mm, well, no more than that. You a betting man, mister? Oh, sometimes. Well, I say I weigh over 130. If I don't, you get the new shoe for nothing. If I do, you pay me double. What do you say? Well, you got a set of scales? Don't need no scales. What do you say, mister? Is it a bet? <laughs> Don't seem to be no way of proving it. Oh, all you got to do is lift me up. You look like a man who can judge weight. What do you say? Okay, all right. It's a bet. All right, mister. Just heist me. If you don't think I weigh more than 130, the shoe is free. All right. I, I never tried to judge man's weight before, but all right. There, there we go. <laughs> well? Well, I'll be dull. I'm packed solid, mister. Real solid. You're packed tighter than a steer. You must weigh 150 pounds. Yeah, you see? You see? What did I tell you? 158. (laughs) The horseshoe's going to cost you money, mister, but you ain't the only one. Ever since I bought the shop, there ain't been a stranger come through Clay City but what he paid double for his first horseshoe. (laughs) He ain't sore, mister. No. No, that was a fair bet. Sure it was. I told you I was heavier than I looked. That's what folks call me, Heavy Norton. My real name's George, but everybody calls me Heavy. Hey, what's your name, mister? Ponsett. Britt Ponsett. Fella, they call the Six Shooter? Well, doggone it. I've heard about you, mister. I've sure heard about you. <laughs> oh, would have recognized you if I'd have noticed your gun. Sure is fancy, ain't it? Hey, do you mind, uh... Showing it to me? No, no. Here, catch. Hey, real fancy. Just like Sheriff Schofield said. He says he's seen you fire six shots with it while Whitey Jackson was getting off his first bullet. That time down at Eagle. Well, the sheriff kind of likes to build up a story. Oh, he swears it's the truth. Here's your gun, Mr. Ponsett. Thanks. Sure, sure. You was mighty quick in getting into Clay City. Uh, how'd you hear about it so fast? Hmm. How'd you hear about what? A holdup at the Fargo station last night. Ain't that why you come? Nope. No. I was headed past town. I turned off because Scar got that loose shoe. Well, now, ain't that a coincidence? Fellow holds up the Fargo office, kills one man, maybe two, gets away at $5,000, and 12 hours later, you ride into town. Well, they got any idea who did it? Nope, not a single solitary one, from, from what I hear. Like I say, the deputy agent was dead when they found him. Other fella, Fred Wilmer, a friend of his, got shot up pretty bad. Ain't done no talking yet. Doc says maybe he never will. Will Sheriff Schofield take out a posse? Nope, ain't nobody to go. Most of the men signed up for the Jefferson Roundup. Left town day before yesterday. 
Here, the Jefferson Ranch is paying good money this year. Yeah, yeah. You uh, seen the sheriff this morning? No, not lately. He might be over to his office. Uh, I think I'll walk down that way while you're fixing up Scar. Sure, sure, Mr. Ponsett. That's a darn good idea. Sheriff Schofield will be real glad to see you. Couple of doors this side of the sheriff's office, I saw the Wells Fargo sign nailed up next to a window. Place wasn't locked, so I went inside. One of the chairs was upset, and there was some damp stains on the floor. The cast iron safe against the wall was standing wide open, so I kicked it shut. Went out in the back stoop. There was some more blood on the steps, and then just red mud. Right at the edge, I saw the hoof prints. They trailed off along the side of the creek. Whoever made them headed west. The horse had been wearing one shoe different from the other three. A, a, a sharp rock must have cut into it sometime or another. Not enough to split it, you understand. Just enough so that the print left a jagged line, like, so like fancy handwriting. Find something, Britt? Hmm? Oh, oh, hello, Sheriff. Oh, I was heading your way. Yeah, I just saw Heavy. He told me you was in town. Did you find something? I don't know. I don't know. You see these hoof prints? Yeah. Uh-huh. Don't mean nothing. Trail gives out a mile or so down the creek at Fork. Uh-huh. Has Clay City had any other trouble lately, Ed? No, not a bit. I guess any town's got to expect to hold up once in a while, though. No, I heard it was a little more than that. Yeah. That's right. Fred Wilmer able to talk yet? Afraid not. Doc said he'd let me know first thing he'd come around. Took him out to his ranch. You've been out there to see him since last time? Wasn't no reason. Well, it might be a good idea to be there, you know, just in case. You're... Thought maybe I ought to stick in town. Oh, I don't think anything more is going to happen here, Ed. I'll get Scar and I'll meet you out at Fred's place. Huh? I can handle this alone, Britt. Oh, sure, sure. I'll just offer to keep you company, Ed. I'll meet you there. He's all fixed up, Mr. Ponsett. Tied him up around the side so he'd be in the shade. Thanks, Heavy. Thank uh, you. Did you find uh, Sheriff Schofield? I-, I told him he was in town. Yeah. You figure out anything? Uh, not so far. Oh, you will. Sheriff's a good man. Why, you and him together, you'll get whoever done it. No, maybe so. Maybe so. You're the only blacksmith round here, ain't you, Heavy? Only one for 40 miles. Uh-huh. You ever see a horse with a shoe that's got one jagged edge, left hind leg? A lot of shoes got jagged edges, Mr. Ponsett. Yeah, well, I'll show you what I mean. I ain't much of an artist. Now, here, it it, uh, it kind of looks a little like this. Hmm. Seems to me I seen a shoe like that just the other day. Uh, oh, sure, I remember. Told him he ought to get a new one for it. Ben Schofield, that's who it was, just the other day. Ben? Yeah, the sheriff's kid. You know him, don't you, Mr. Ponsett? Oh, sure. Sure, I ain't seen Ben in a couple of years. Uh. Oh, you wouldn't recognize him if you did. He just sort of growed up overnight. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he has.
We'll return for Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring Jimmy Stewart in just a moment. Today being Easter, it's interesting to note that of the many ancient observances of Easter, some customs have continued almost unchanged. One of these, of course, is the Easter egg, which symbolizes reviving life for the rebirth of mankind. Then there's the cross-marked bread, eaten by the Saxons in the Middle Ages to honor their goddess's spring, Aostra. From this came our hot cross buns of today. But history says that the custom of serving small loaves of bread with a mark of the cross as part of religious festivities dates back centuries ago when it was first practiced by the Egyptians. That's not so strange, though, when you realize leavened or raised bread, the forerunner of our present-day bread, was invented over 2,000 years ago by the Egyptians. Imagine of all the many, many different kinds of foods that have fed people down through the ages, bread has been, and still is, our most important food. Here are the reasons. Bread more completely satisfies hunger and is a greater source of strength than any other known kind of food. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now, back to Radio Rarities. And now, Act Two of The Six Shooter, starring... Jimmy Stewart. Sheriff Schofield was sitting on Fred Wilmer's porch swing when I got there. Doc was inside with Fred, so I squatted down on the stoop and waited. About half an hour, the doc came out and told us we could go inside and see Fred. Fred was lying on a cot, breathing hard, and white cloth across his chest was stained pink, and his voice sounded like it was full of air. We was just sitting in the express office talking, Sam and me. Didn't hear the back door open. Must have left it unlocked. Turned around, and there he was, holding his gun on. <laughs> you got a look at him, Fred? Handkerchief over his face, Sheriff. I couldn't see nothing. Just the gun. He told Sam to open the safe. There wasn't nothing else he could do. Sure, sure. He took the money, walked over to the door. Yeah? Looked at us for a minute, and then shot. Didn't have no reason. He hit Sam in the face and hit me in the chest. He didn't have no reason. (laughs) Ah, take it easy, Fred. 
Take it easy now. It's just like you enjoyed shooting at us. That's how it was like he enjoyed it. Maybe he was scared. Oh, he wasn't scared, Sheriff. He didn't have no reason. Thought he killed us both. Then he started down the steps. I got my hand on the shotgun and let him have it. You hit him? I don't know. Maybe he gave a yell and rode off. Uh-huh. What kind of a fellow was he? He was young, old? I couldn't see his face. Young fellow, I'd say, though. How young? Seventeen, eighteen, full grown. Very tall, short? Medium. About the size of your kid, Ed. <laughs> About that size. <laughs> Got enough for you, Ed? Yeah, that's enough. You, you think you'll get him, Brett? Sure, Fred. Sure. Sure. Come on, Ed. Didn't have no reason to shoot, no reason to talk. Wasting our time, Brett. He's got a day's head start. He'd be 40 miles from here. Well, not if he's shot up. Now, you go on if you want to. Well, you're the sheriff. You've got to make the arrest. You ain't never been so particular before. Well, maybe not, but this time I'm particular. <clears throat> you coming? We don't even know where to start. I thought along the creek. That's as good a place as any other. <clears throat> it's a waste of time, Brett. Well, we got time to waste. Come on, let's go. Picked up the trail along the creek headed west. It wasn't hard to fall on. Every once in a while, we'd see a few drops of blood spattered against the shrub brush. About ten minutes later, we came to a fork where Ed had said the trail gave out. Scar stuck his nose down into the water, and I looked around. The trail didn't give out. It turned south. I nodded in that direction. Ed didn't say a thing. Just followed and about five o'clock, we stopped to eat. Ed built a fire, and I opened up a couple of cans of beans I had in my roll. Oh, you ain't hungry, Ed? It's early for supper. Yeah, yeah. Ed, I talked to Heavy before I went out to Fred's place. I asked him who had a horse that would leave a mark like the one we've been following. So? And he said Ben did. Your son, Ben. I thought you ought to know that. A lot of horseshoes leave the same kind of mark. Fred said it was a young fellow. It wasn't Ben. Where is he at? Jefferson's Ranch, working on a roundup. He left Clay City the day before yesterday. Couldn't be Ben. There's a lot of wild youngsters in these parts, but Ben's a good boy. Couldn't be him. You sure? That mark don't mean nothing. Plenty of horseshoes leave the same kind of mark. You know that, Brick. You had enough to eat? Yeah. Come on, let's go. The moon came out, thin, yellow. Not real bright, but enough so you could follow the trail. About three miles, there wasn't no blood. He must have wrapped something around the wound. Wrapped it real tight. And then we found the bandage. A piece of shirt tail sopped through... For the next mile, I'd been bleeding a lot, worse than ever. He was hit pretty bad. Looks like it. 
He couldn't have gone much further because I... Oh. Hold it, Scott. Ed. Yeah. Pull up. Over there in the gully, that cabin. Yeah. Whose is it? Used to belong to Jake Levant. Died a couple of years ago. Ain't nobody living there now. There's somebody living there. Huh? Out and back. There's a pony. Better go ahead on foot. Yeah. We're going to take him alive, ain't we? If we can. We've got to take him alive, Britt. It's been... I don't know, Britt. Not for sure. It could be Ben? It could be. Where have you been the last couple of days? I don't know that neither. Had an argument with him two nights ago. He needed some money. He'd been playing poker and lost a lot. Well, Five thousand's a lot. I wouldn't give him none. He got mad, said he'd get it, said he'd get it himself. And I hit him hard across the face. I hit him twice. He started to hit me back. Then he walked out of the house. I ain't seen him since. I wish he had hit me back. Now, we got to get across that clearing, Ed. Over to that clump of trees. He may see us. Yeah, we'll have to take that chance. You ready? Yeah. Sure. We'll stay in these trees for a couple of minutes. Okay. And then we'll rush him. Ain't gonna be easy to take him, Ed. Now that he spotted us. You ain't gonna kill him, Britt. I ain't gonna let him kill me. It ain't his fault, Britt. It's mine. You know that ain't so. No, it's the truth. It's my fault. You didn't raise him to be a killer, Ed. Maybe I did, Britt. I was a sheriff seeing that everybody kept close to the line, seeing that everybody lived honest, especially Ben. I broke him, Britt. Broke him like you break a wild horse or try to take all the fight out of him fast. You know what happens when you do that to a horse? He gets tame, but the fight still learns. Someday he turns wild again. I'll rush him alone, Ed. No. Stay here, Britt. Well, Sam Norton's dead. Maybe Fred Miller, too. Killing Ben won't bring him back. He's my son, Britt, my only son. You don't have no kids. You don't know. I'm sorry, Ed. No, we're going back to town. Not without him. We're going back. Now, you can outdraw me, Britt, but I'll still have time to get a shot off. I'll try to get him alive, Ed. I'll try. No, don't turn your back on me, Britt. Don't be a fool. Don't make me do it, Britt. I wasn't being brave. I knew he wouldn't shoot. A man like Ed Schofield just don't change overnight. You can figure a man like Ed. That's what I thought, anyway. But I hadn't figured what would happen next. I haven't figured on him running out into the clearing, standing there in the moonlight, gray against the black sky. Ben! It's me, Ben, your dad! Can you hear me, Ben? Brett Ponson's coming after you. Throw out your gun, Ben! Brett Ponson's coming! Now listen to me, Ben! It's your dad! I saw him go down, real slow, like his legs had buckled under him. I couldn't tell how bad he'd been hit. He rolled down a gully out, out of range, and I crawled forward. I pushed myself past a couple of rocks and head toward the back door. The kid was in the kitchen. I couldn't see him, but I could hear him moving around, going from window to window, looking out, waiting for me. I slid past another rock. I could run to the door or wait. 
kid made up a mind for me. I slipped down fast and the bullets nicked into the rocks. The kid had good hearing. He knew I was right there. Took out my gun and waited. I knew he'd get nervous first. Young fellas always do. I wasn't so young. I could wait. It was more than five minutes before the door started opening. His pony knew I was coming too. He started for the horse. I aimed at his leg. For a second he stopped moving and just hung in midair like a hawk. And he sprawled forward out of sight behind a log. I raised up a little and hunched myself along the side of the cabin. Everything was quiet now. Even his pony. The moon went behind a thick cloud and I came around the corner of the cabin. Suddenly the moon came out again, just in time for me to see his 45. Just in time to see him coming up over the top of the log. His revolver slipped out of his fingers and I saw him trying to reach for it again. He couldn't make it. I stood up and walked over to the log. The kid was lying face down, gasping for breath, a little short gasps. He pulled himself up into the flat of his hands and then he passed out. I turned him over with my foot and I looked at his face. get you? In the shoulder. I'm going to be all right. Britt, is he... Did you have to... He ain't dead. Thanks. I guess he didn't hear me calling to him. He didn't know who I was. Ed. What? Ed, it ain't Ben. What? It ain't Ben, Ed. You... You sure, Britt? Yeah, yeah, this kid's got red hair. There ain't no reason to lie to me, Britt. I ain't shot up bad. I ain't lying. I ain't lying. I knew it wasn't Ben while I was going up after him. I knew it. What are you talking about? Hey, just come to me. A man don't change overnight. Neither does a boy. Well, if it ain't Ben... It... Uh, lots of tough kids in these parts. You said so yourself. Where do you suppose Ben is? Where you said, Jefferson's Ranch, working in the Roundup. They pay good. No. A boy don't change overnight, Ed. Huh. You able to ride back to town? Yeah, sure. I may have to take it a little slow. I'll get the kid. Britt. Yeah? You know something, Britt? I couldn't believe it was Ben neither. No, when he shot me. I just couldn't believe it. You know that, Bruce. I know it, Ed. I know it. Jimmy, that's one of the most heartwarming, at the same time suspenseful yarns we've heard in a long, long time. Thanks a lot. Well, Wendell, when it comes to that thanks department, let's just be mighty sure we include Parley Bear, her background, 
Bert Holland, and Bill Conrad, who played the sheriff. Bye. Be sure to come back, Jimmy. In just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, we'll introduce Miss Diana Lynn, the star of next week's story on Hollywood Star Playhouse. Say, I wonder if your family weekends are anything like the ones at our house. You see, ours are very informal, and lots of times our meals are very irregular. I make a point of seeing that Mrs. Niles doesn't do a single extra bit of meal fixing she can help. So if you ever drop in on the Niles some weekend, you better bring along a husky appetite for sandwiches. We love them. Any kind. But a great favorite with the boys and myself is a, a ham egg burger. Ever tried one? Well, listen. They're so simple, I make them myself. I take hamburger buns, slice them in half, and toast them. Then I spread two tablespoons of canned deviled ham, a scrambled egg, and a couple of tablespoons of grated American cheese on each bun. I toast them in the broiler with a low heat until the cheese begins to melt. Yes, that's a ham egg burger. Honestly, it's just about a meal in itself. Oh, maybe we top it off with a piece of cold apple pie right out of the refrigerator and a cup of coffee or two. That's all. So tonight, why don't you try a Nile special, a mouth-watering ham egg burger? Now, here is the star of next week's thrilling story on Hollywood Star Playhouse, Miss Diana Lynn. I guess we all dream about the perfect job we'll land someday. You know, good pay, easy hours, a perfect atmosphere to work in, an ideal boss. Well, I landed my dream job. Only it turned out to be not a dream, but a nightmare of terror. James Stewart can currently be seen in the Universal International Technicolor production, Bend of the River. Tonight's transcribed story was written for Mr. Stewart by Frank Burt. The entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any similarity to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Wendell Niles inviting you to be with us again next Sunday for the Bakers of America program, Hollywood Star Playhouse. Enjoy another half hour of fine entertainment brought to you direct from Hollywood by your baker. The baker in your bake shop, the baker who supplies your grocer, and the baker who calls at your door. All helping you serve better meals through bakery foods. National Broadcasting Company. Well, Carl Jimmy Stewart gave a splendid performance in this episode with that slow drawl. But he was quick on the draw with his gun. That he was. Stewart brought to the microphone his film experience from those exciting westerns, Winchester 73 and Broken Arrow. It was a nice gesture that he gave personal credit on air to the supporting cast of The Six Shooter. Which included the familiar voices of William Conrad as Sheriff Schofield, Harley Bear as Fred, Herb Vigran as Heavy Norton, and Burt Holland as the robber. The director was Jack Johnstone, who just a couple of years later would turn yours truly, Johnny Dollar, into a top-notch series starring Bob Bailey. 
Frank Burt wrote the six-shooter specifically for Jimmy Stewart. Burt's prior work had been performed on several shows, including The Whistler and The Unexpected. Lisa, I'll bet you noticed an interesting piece of music in The Six-Shooter. I did, Carl. It was a short segment of the theme that would become the musical signature of the program when it became a regular series on NBC in September of 1953. The piece, Highland Lament, arranged for Hollywood star Playhouse by Basil Adlam, was originally published in the UK in 1945. By British film composer Ralph Vaughan Williams. More than a year after The Six Shooter aired on Hollywood star Playhouse, NBC utilized it as an audition for a regular series. Undecided if they were going to turn it into a regular weekly series, they agreed to record a second audition in July of 1953. The second audition was so well-received, NBC executives launched The Six Shooter on its network September 20th, 1953. This was Stewart's first radio series in which he portrayed the lead character. Frank Burt continued as the scriptwriter, with Jack Johnstone as director. The sponsor was the Coleman Company, promoting various heating appliances. Yes, but that sponsor only bankrolled four episodes before bowing out. NBC kept the show on the air as a sustainer because the network brass believed in it. There were other potential sponsors, including cigarette manufacturers who were ready to sign on, but Stewart refused to be associated with a tobacco company for fear of tarnishing his wholesome image. The Six Shooter was broadcast continuously into the summer of the following year. 39 episodes had been aired when Britt Ponsett finally rode off into the sunset on June 24, 1954. It was truly one of the best westerns of them all. Too bad it came so late in radio's life. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Gastella is our executive producer. And the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week will present the audition of The Great Gildersleeve, starring Hal Perry, so don't miss it. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.